0: Go, go. Not going to dip in Holy Ghost oil. Facial hair is not apostolic. Oh, you're just going to stay and angry at God's costum- 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 place. Costum- Whether it's popular or not, oh, we're seeking oh. at what pleases the Lord. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. Hi, friends. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the UPCU Later podcast. This week is a solo episode with your girl. We're going to talk all things purity culture. I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm uncomfortable um, (laughs) because it's a hard topic to discuss. I think it's worth discussing, though, and I really am looking forward to hearing um, the next two interviews talk about their experience with it as well. So we'll go back way back to when the rise of purity culture started and it was in the 1970s during the free love movement, which, you know, the church looked at and was like, no, don't do that. (laughs) Don't, you know, have your own body and do what you want with it. Don't do anything with anybody. And so, you know, that's when purity culture sort of got its start and into the 80s, Late 90s, early 2000s is when it really started to ramp up. And it was confusing to me as a kid because I remember being 12 or 13, going to my very first uh, purity culture conference, which is funny because that's how you know that like my dad was not, he didn't care where we were. Like he did not. He was like, yeah, go to a conference about sex. Great. Have a good time. Um, and so we, we, I went and it was for the whole state. It was like three, like a three hour drive. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it was for the whole state. I don't know if everybody went, Um uh, it was a larger sanctuary. So it felt like a lot of people could have been there. Um, the details are fuzzy because this was a long time ago, but so we go. And I'm in this, you know, sanctuary. It was like a two day event, like a Friday and a Saturday and it's preaching abstinence only and don't have sex don't do anything sexual don't hold hands don't do nothing it'll all lead to sex that's you know displeasing to god don't do it so remember we got like this blue ribbon pledging our abstinence and i'm pretty sure we signed a book and and yeah there i was 12 or 13 no actual like education on sex no nothing just being told don't do it and i'm like deal i won't and if, if you saw the picture I posted on the Instagram page, like that's why it's funny. Cause it's like, it, it wasn't an option. <laughs> it just was not gonna happen for me, um, especially in middle school. But that's what age I am. When I'm first telling people, you know, leadership men, yeah, I'll wait. I won't use my body for anything other, you know, than my husband one day. And, and so it began. You know, this really, like, not horrific, it was just a really uncomfortable time to be a girl, to be a young person in the UPC. And I know this is not UPC specific. This was a lot of evangelical spaces. Um, And so, you know, you were not in evangelical space if you did not have a man. Get up in the pulpit and say the following, I want to give honor to pastor. Thank you so much for letting me uh, speak honor to God. Thank you for using me. I want to give honor, uh, to my smoking hot wife. It's like, uh, why did you say that? Like, why was that a thing? It's still being said. I found it the other day, still being said. Um, and that's uncomfortable. Like love your wife, call, you know, talk about how great she is. All the things I'm supportive of like open love. Great. That's awesome. But these are the same people telling their young people, don't even think about sex. Don't think about the opposite gender at all. Because thinking about it is just as bad as doing it, and that leads to hell. So don't do not do any of it. Um, but I'm going to talk about openly in front of everybody how hot my wife is. It's c- cool, I think. Um, but these are the same women, you know, the smoking hot wives, that are the leadership and they're youth pastors and they're on the youth staff. And I was never like a very open kid. Like I was not, everything made me uncomfortable. Everything like made me cringe and made me anxious. And it was just, (laughs) I was a very like uncomfortable child. And so I was not one to just openly talk about sex. Like I didn't want to ask questions. I just didn't want to know, like you told me not to think about it. I signed a paper. I have my blue ribbon. I'm following the rules. But we had a lock-in at the church one night. And the girls were in the sanctuary, I think, because that's where this happened, was in the sanctuary. And it was me and another girl in the youth group who was very just, she didn't care. She was going to ask the questions and she was very comfortable. And I was like, great, because I, I can't, I'm going to like have hives if I think about it. And she had asked one of the women on youth staff who was married. Well, does it hurt? I'm scared to have sex one day because I'm afraid it's going to hurt. We're 14. (laughs) Like, let me just, we're 14 or 15. Um, according to the rules, we are nowhere near at least four years. Cause you know, once you're 18, it's fine to get married. Um, but we're nowhere near being in a position to have sex, but let's talk about it. And does it hurt? And this woman on youth staff was like, um, it's a little uncomfortable at first, but on my honeymoon, I mean, we did it three times in one day. It was so great. What? Like in my mind, And this girl's like, oh my God, that's so cool. And I'm like, wait, 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 like you specifically have said that we can't even think about it. Why would you just say that it was so great? You had it three times in one day and how wonderful it was. Like, that's a little contradicting and I needed things to make sense. Like I wanted it all to make sense. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And you know, I'm not going to ask any questions. I was just like, that's weird that you said that, but Okay. Um, and then we had another woman on youth staff who was very like open about what the girls talking about how great sex was and with her husband and how she's so happy she waited until they were married to have sex. But if he ever asked for certain sexual favors, he, she would send him to therapy because that's not right. And I was like, wait, what? Because this same woman... (laughs) said that when you get married, God basically closes his eyes and says, go play. And he doesn't, you know, whatever you want to do is fine. So I was like, but you said <laughs> that those things were okay because like it's within your marriage. Well, I, I don't, I don't think that that is okay is what she's saying. If he ever asked me to do these things with him, if he ever, you know, asked for anal, he would be in therapy because that's not what the will of God. I was like, how do you know that? And I'm like, you know, just so dumb and naive. Like, is it Bible? Like, what? Like in the verse? Is it there? No, it's just you. Per- okay. Well, great. Great that we're having this conversation. I'm nowhere near in a position to have sex, but now I'm learning that certain things are not okay. And certain things you should send your husband to therapy for, um, because that's not right. And I was like, what? Like just spiraling some short time later, we are in a split session. So the guys are in the sanctuary. The girls are in a room elsewhere, having the purity talk, the abstinence talk. Um, cause you know, (laughs) what, what else do you do with children on a Friday night other than tell them don't have sex? So the girls are all, you know, talking amongst themselves. Like the woman, um, on youth staff is speaking, but we're all just kind of like having these side conversations. She slams her papers down and I was like, oh, you, you big mad. I got it. I'll be quiet. Um, but <laughs> she was like, my husband is in the other room talking to the men, talking to the guys about why them, they're touching themselves because they're thinking about you and the way that you're dressed. And he's trying to talk to them about that. So you need to listen so you can do better so he doesn't have to have these uncomfortable conversations with them. And it was the first time. Like, I knew, okay, I won't have sex before marriage. I won't do any of these things. I won't be physical. I won't. I won't. But it was the very first time that somebody had ever said, the guys are stumbling and it's your fault. And it was obviously not like, Aurora, it's your fault. But there was, you know, not very many of us in the room. 10? Maybe 12? And it just felt very personal and very, like, okay, This is my responsibility i don't want the guys in my youth group to stumble i don't want them to fall i don't want them to be caught in sin because of me and that's always just you know rocked my world because it was a woman who told us that it was our fault it wasn't a man it was a woman who told us it was our fault so we have to dress better and we have to can you know conduct ourselves better and I was like, okay. And I took it like super, super seriously. And I tried really hard. Um, which is funny. Cause again, that picture y'all know, like, what was I, why did I think it was anyway? So that was what was happening at the time in my youth group. And so there would be services again, cause Friday night youth group, we would all be in the sanctuary, the guys and the girls, and somebody would be preaching about abstinence and and saving yourself, and fleeing from sin and temptation, and girls would be at the altar sobbing, and so, and then, it, then they would be talked about, and I'm super guilty of this, I'm like, well, did the, does that mean they had sex? Because they're crying, and obviously something happened, like, are they repenting? Like, what is happening? And, and then, you know, you get whispered about, because you're at the altar crying after a service about don't have sex before marriage. And then so there was this judgment from left and right from the guys who can't help but look at you and then sin in their minds. And then the girls and the women and the youth staff and the adults looking at you if you cried during a service, wondering what you did. Not just leaving it to Jesus, not being like, well, that's between the two of them. Um, It was, you were judged harshly. You know, and and being told that men can't help it breeds, you know, this horrible thing that I have, I read about and I have tried to do some research on and I've, you know, read it time and time again, that purity culture breeds rape culture. Because when there is no education on sexuality whatsoever other than don't do it, there's a really big piece that's missing and that is called consent. Because all that the girls are told is guys can't help it. It's your fault. And this is not a knock on the guys. Y'all know I love you. But this is just what it was like from a girl's point of view. That you're responsible for whatever a guy does. And so it was this extra, extra um, expectation to dress as modestly as possible and to conduct yourself as wholesome as possible. Don't be sexy. Don't be flirty. Don't do those things because you're giving guys the wrong impression. And again, they can't help it. And so, you know, again, it's this very like back and forth. Sometimes it made sense. Sometimes it didn't. Sometimes it was just this really overwhelming thought and and you didn't really know I just knew I wasn't gonna do anything and so there was this book um (laughs) I kissed dating goodbye and some of y'all are like enraged immediately by that book I get it I read it and that man I don't know his name Josh Harris is that him it's not important if that's not him and I made up somebody's name y'all disregard um but I think that's right He has like since backtracked and been uh, like issued an apology about the trauma and the hurt caused by this book. But I read it and I was like, this is dope. I love it. And basically, there was a lot of different points. Um, But it was, you know, I read and then there's been a lot of different talks and sermons and things like that. And it was instilled in us that the more you give away to somebody who is not your husband, the less you have to give or your wife. The less you have to give to your spouse one day. And it was like, you know, people have done the examples of like, oh, I have a girl come stand on the platform and she's handing out pieces of cake. And then it's like, well, the cake was actually meant for one person. We just didn't tell you that. So you gave away all this cake, and now you don't have a whole cake to give to somebody. <laughs> I'm like, y'all used cake, isn't that an example is funny to me. Um, but we'll move forward. Anyway. So it's like, okay. You're telling people, young adults, kids, it's okay if you mess up. God will forgive you. just know you are no longer a whole person and you no longer have a whole body or a whole virginity to give to anybody. Just know that. Just know that you have to have that talk with your soon-to-be spouse one day. And they took it so seriously that they would say that um, anything sexual was cheating on your spouse one your potential spouse one day who you have possibly never even met but you're not being faithful to them because you're being you're doing these things with somebody else and it's like looking at that now is crazy that's crazy but at the time I was like it makes sense to me Um, because I didn't really like ask a ton of questions I was just like yeah how could you Hold somebody else's hand. How could you make out in the car with somebody else? You have a spouse who's waiting for you. You should be presented as this like super wholesome thing. And so looking at that now as I'm, you know, am married. And knowing that when I met my husband 10 years ago, it was never... I can't believe he had sex before we met. I can't believe I had sex before we met. I can't believe that he doesn't have that to offer to me. I can't believe I can't offer him my virginity. You know what it was? He doesn't yell when he's upset and that makes me feel safe. He doesn't lie to me. He's very honest. That makes me feel so safe. He notices the little things about me and remembers the important things, and makes me feel so special, and that makes me feel really safe and happy. Not, did he have sex? Like, if you're on the Instagram page, you saw the list I made of, like, things that are, like, probably more pressing issues than somebody's virginity when you meet them, and it was, like, supposed to be funny, but also, like, it did virginity, like, didn't even crack the top 10. To me, it's, to me, you know, in the real world now, I hate saying the secular world or whatever because it's the real world. That's very rarely, like rarely is that a question. Oh, did you, have you had sex already? Like what? You probably aren't going to ask that to somebody. Not the way that we were told it was going to be. Not the way that we were told you're going to have to have this horrific conversation with somebody one day and confess to them, I'm not a virgin. And they were allowed to decide if that was a make or break. Men and women were allowed to decide if you have already gone too far with somebody else or if you have, you know, fooled around with somebody else and you tell that to your soon-to-be spouse, they could call it all off and say, nope. And the church would back that. Like, they would be like, yeah, that's what happens when you mess around. Like, no, that's, that's not actually what happens when you mess around. But that's what we were told. So it's like this super fear-based and control-based idea that you can't do anything physical everybody will find out everybody will judge everybody will know you'll have to have these uncomfortable conversations somebody could not love you like what but that's what we were told and that's how we conducted ourselves And so when I read that book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, which was basically like, don't even kiss somebody who is not your, who's not waiting for you at the end of an altar to be married. Don't even kiss somebody because you're giving so much of yourself away. And it's like, no, you're, you're not. And to know that that's what they minimized marriage to was what you can give to your spouse physically is crazy. So much goes into a relationship, like even a friendship. And, and you're just going to minimize marriage to what you can offer to somebody physically. Crazy. But it's what we were told. We were told it mattered a lot. Uh, spoiler alert, it did, literally didn't matter at all. But we were told it did. And so, you know, it was cover up. Cover up as much as you can. And I remember being at camp one year. And this girl came up to me, one of the counselors who was like a year older than me, but <laughs> whatever. So she comes up to me and she was like, you need to pull your tank top up. You're showing too much cleavage. I'm 98 pounds at the time. And I'm like, thank you for thinking that. Um, but also I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, let me not be a stumbling block to my brother, um, my brothers in Christ who are around who I could cause to stumble. And then they'll sin, but I will be held responsible and I will go to hell. So I was like, yeah, I'll pull out my tank top. No, no worries. Um. And that was the type of environment that it was cover up as much as you can. Don't be a stumbling block. Don't, don't be all these things, but also, so that's like, yeah, don't be a stumbling, a stumbling block to the, your brothers in Christ and whatever. And so, Purity culture was a a very small box that people could fit into. And so those of us who were there, who got like basically no information, no education whatsoever, there was a group of people who got even less. And that's the LGBTQ community. You weren't even allowed to talk about sex at all because it was, you know, you were interested in the same gender. Or you were, you know, open to any gender you really had no opportunity to learn anything other than sin, other than the fact that you were definitely going to hell. But purity culture is such a closed-off box that the majority of us never stood a chance to fit inside of it. But we were told that it is this enormous thing, this enormous, really important, really special thing. Meanwhile... You've got kids who are fighting depression and fighting, you know, really tough things in their minds because of who they love and you're telling them they don't fit. You don't fit in the narrative that we are preaching and there's only one way. And that's the thing that I think like gets me about not just the UPC. I know this is not just the UPC, but you know, that's where I was. Everything is there's only one way salvation, only one way relationships, there's only one way marriage, there's only one way. There is no room for anything else other than the one way that they decided on. So, you've got kids in your youth group. I know I did. I know we had people who were gay, you know, homosexual, who were bisexual, who were lesbians, who, you know, had a lot of sexuality, you know, different sexuality type of questions, who were not just in a hetero relationship or you know anything like that there was zero space for them but they had to sit through those talks and they had to sign the purity pledges and they had to be in all of the same events that we were with even less information other than the fact that you have to do it this way and if you don't you're going to hell how absurd how traumatic for people to have gone through that But they did um, because somebody decided this is the only way. And so, you know, this is also during the time of like 2000s fashion, which is funny to look at now. But at the time, I was just obsessed with it. You know, I'd go home and watch TRL and watch Christina Aguilera and Beyonce and Rihanna and Pink and Britney Spears and just watch the fashion and just just daydream like oh I want to put some red color in my hair (gasps) I want bedazzled you know jeans (gasps) I really want that crop top I really love her blue mascara all the things which is like funny now but at the time I wanted to be a part of that so badly and in the same breath I am judging the women and the girls around me so harshly if they are not as modest as can be and I wanted it to be because I was righteous and I was, you know, doing righteous things. But all I was doing was being jealous and bitter that I was in a position that I was in, that I could not dress a certain way. I could not... um be who I wanted to be at the end of the day, but I kept telling myself that I was judging righteously because they should know better and we have to protect ourselves and we have to dress a certain way and we have to be a certain person and, you know, it all falls on us. But at the end of the day, I was just jealous. I just really, really, really wanted these really cool outfits and these were this, you know, super cool hair and I wanted to play with makeup and have different nails and all the things that it just was not in the cards for me. because purity culture said no, because having to be modest said no, because I didn't want to go to hell because I wanted to be pleasing to the Lord. But it's just because it's what a man said, because men decided this is how it has to be. And so there would be times where, you know, purity rings were a thing. Um, girls would wear them on their hands, sometimes on like their right hand ring finger. I think some of them would wear them on their ring finger. Like it was a chaotic, messy moment, um, for us. I never got one. Um, again, you saw the pictures. I didn't need a purity. (laughs) I didn't need a purity ring. I had a face. Um, that was a joke. It made me laugh. Don't, don't worry. Anyway. Um, but so girls would have purity rings and it would signify that they were you know virgins and saving themselves for marriage and it was so controversial because some churches like preached so heavily against it because it was jewelry and if y'all remember from like the second episode jewelry is a no-go and so some churches it was okay some churches as long as your parent is the one who bought it for you or if the band wasn't shiny or you know there are so many weird rules about purity rings Um, and that's so funny because it's just like a super good reminder that this is all man-made. It's all man-made because men got to decide if it was okay to wear a ring to show your purity and your virginity. Um, but it was really important and people took it super, super seriously because again, they're telling us this is, could make or break your future marriage. And somebody could not want you based on the mistakes you've made. Because that's what everything was, was a mistake. You fooled around with somebody is a mistake. You had sex before marriage, a mistake. And this is not like just for young kids. Youth group went from like 12 or 13 to like 25. That event, I went to that conference, the Worth the Weight conference with my blue ribbon. There were people there in their 20s. And we're all in the same room, which is a whole other episode. But so, you know, you're not just telling young kids in middle school and high school that everything physically they do is a mistake. You are telling adults who are probably like in actual real relationships, everything physical is a mistake. So you're constantly having to repent. You're constantly having to try to change yourself. And that's why they push marriage as much as they do so quickly. You're dating. Okay, how are you going to get engaged? Don't be engaged for too long because you're just going to have sex. So be engaged for no longer than six months and then get married and then you can have sex. And then women are told that you can't say no to your husband. That you owe that to them. That it's, you know, your body is theirs. And you get no say. And that's really, really horrible. And it's really, really disgusting. You know, a lot of a lot of them don't believe in any form of birth control at all. And there's lots of forms of birth control. But there is no education. And so people are getting married very, very young. Um, having children very, very young. Because they don't know that you could take certain measures not to have kids right away. And it's a lot of uneducated um, people speaking about things that are really important, like sex is a very important topic that requires a little bit of education. Like I went to public school and we had, um, <laughs> I almost said the teacher's name, not that it matters, like it doesn't matter. But my teacher, you know, I sat through like the most uncomfortable, awkward sex ed class. I'm so thankful I did. Cause it made me feel a little like knowledgeable as opposed to the kids who were in private school or who were homeschooled or kids who were given notes that they didn't have to take sex ed because they didn't want the school system teaching the church kids about sex because abstinence was the only way, right? But you still need to learn about STDs and you still need to learn about protection and you still need to learn about how your body operates and works, And so many kids and young adults were robbed of that because purity culture said you can't even think about it. You can't talk about it. You can't learn about it. You basically stay a virgin, meet a virgin. Y'all figure it out together. And you're just supposed to have this wonderfully blessed, you know, incredible sex life. All of a sudden you go from don't even really kiss, you know, don't make out, don't be alone in a car. Don't go on solo dates. Like, that was the other thing. Like, they wanted so badly to keep people from being physical in any way. Don't go on solo dates. Only group dates. Your girl was never asked on a group date. But if I had, it had to be on a group date. Because that was the way that the church operated. They did not want you alone. Because if you were alone, you might mess up. And if you mess up, you go to everybody You go to hell, correct, Um, because that's where everything leads, is hell. Everything that they teach is a heaven or hell issue. And again, it's super controlling and so manipulative that nobody really had the opportunity to be themselves. Nobody had the opportunity to explore and learn in a safe way. It was just, girls are responsible for whatever happens, Guys can't help themselves. It's only between a man and a woman. And it's only during marriage. And apparently if you're the husband of one of the youth leaders I had, you can't do anything because sometimes if you wanted stuff that she didn't like, you would have to go to therapy. What? Like how overwhelming for a young brain to try to comprehend. But that's what we were told. And just... I remember in my time um, being in the UPC, anytime a guy would look at me or look my way or like I would make laugh because some of us had to be funny, um, I was like, oh my God, I wonder if that's going to be my husband. Because that is all we were told is that it, it's all about who you're going to marry. And so everybody who I would, we even came in contact to was like, oh, I wonder if that's my husband. I wonder if that's who I'm going to marry. I wonder if that's who I'm going to marry from like a young age. I don't know what the statistics are about what age you are when you actually meet a spouse or a person you're going to fall in love with. Surely it can't be 13. Surely 13 is not up up there at one of the options, (laughs) but I just wasn't sure. And so when I started having doubts and when I started wanting to leave, I remember like, you know, any guy I would meet outside of the church and I would have to shut my brain off because my first thought was like, oh, I wonder if that's who I'm going to marry. Oh my God, how's terrifying. So I went from this, like, I wonder who's, if he'll be my husband, if he'll be my husband to no one has access to me anymore, any more than I want them to. And so when I met my now husband, uh, 10 years ago, we were on our second date eating Chinese food and he was like, I should tell you up front. Cause he had been married previously. He's like, I don't want to be remarried. Like, I don't want to get married. And I think, you know, I think you should know that going into this. And I laughed and laughed and laughed. And I was like, oh, I don't want to marry you. <laughs> like, no, I'm good. Like, no, thank you. I actually don't want to be married. Like I'm, I'm all set. And I meant it because I just wanted to take back, I wanted that power of, I decide if I'm going to be married and I have decided I'm not, um, because I'm going to do whatever I want to. And so that's our like ongoing joke that 10 years ago we said we would never even be married. And now here we are married with a baby. But it was that thought that I had to get out of my brain of like, who's my spouse? It didn't matter. It did not matter. And I had to get out of my head too, like, once I left or at like while I was leaving. And I would put something on, I'm like, oh, it's a little tight. According to who? According to what I was brainwashed to believe? According to what I was groomed to believe that I'm responsible for a, a man's actions? So I have to dress accordingly so I don't make anybody, no, 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 no so i took a little bit of power back and i said i'm going to dress how i want to dress i'm going to dress with what makes me feel good you know obviously i'll be respectful of certain places but i'm i'm going to wear some shorts i'm going to wear a two piece bathing suit i'm going to you know be myself and i am not held responsible for the man like the actions of a man and I know this sounds like man bashing. It's not. Y'all, y'all know I love you. Um, and I think that you deserved better from the church. You did not deserve to just be this, you know, dwindled down to. Men are dumb. They can't help it. You know, they just—that's who they are. They can't help themselves. They're gonna touch you whenever they want. They're gonna think about you and touch themselves, and they can't help it. Like, that's all they gave. You know, that's the only credit they gave you. Y'all deserved better. We all did. The LGBTQ community deserved better and purity culture gave room for basically no one. It was this unattainable, super unreasonable goal that even if you met it, I know people who got married and couldn't have sex the first night because that's not how sex works. You don't just have sex, but that's what we're told. That you just, you know, you start kissing, guess what? You're going to have sex. It just happens that way. Um, It doesn't. And I know plenty of people who waited, got married, couldn't have sex the first night, couldn't have sex the second night, and had to go to therapy and had to work through a lot of really traumatic things with their spouse. So even the people who got the goal still struggled, still had a lot of hurt, and I hate it. I hate purity culture. I hate what it represents. I hate that none of us were allowed to be ourselves. We couldn't be trusted. You know, no one was allowed to be trusted. You couldn't be alone. Even if you were an adult, you couldn't be alone with another adult. You couldn't dress in a way that you wanted to dress. You couldn't be yourself. You had to, you know, be who the church told you to be. So, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you for letting me ramble. I love you guys. I'm so excited for you to hear these next two interviews. They're going to be so good. I'm so, so excited. Somebody's actually not even from the UPC, we're branching out. Y'all, I'm really excited. So, if you have any questions, let me know. Thank you for listening. Bye. Yeah.